0: Uh, go to Joshua chapter 1 2023 is gone a few things happened in 2023 the House of Representatives start off in, a, in the ditch they uh They tried to elect Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House, and it took him 15 votes, 15 different votes to get it done. It was the most balanced ballots since the Civil War. And nine months later, he was ousted. Something about reliance on the Democrats to... Pass funding to avert a government shutdown, but we'll move on from there. Anybody remember that balloon that flew across the U.S.? <laughs> President Trump was indicted on four different criminal indictments. We had a 21-year-old airman who circulated classified documents on internet message boards. Charles III and Camilla, Camilla was coronated as king and queen of the United Kingdom. A small tourist submarine imploded on the way to see the Titanic. And they said it was operated by a PlayStation remote. That, was, that would be enough for me not to get on, on, on that. I mean, really. Who remembers the movie Barbie? It was the most woke movie ever made. And it shattered box office records too. The the wildfires that ripped through Hawaii on the island of Maui seeking or forcing people to seek refuge by jumping into the ocean and then killing 100 people. Tragic. It's very tragic. The United Auto Workers, now I can talk about these guys because this is where I'm from the car dealership industry. The United Auto Workers began a strike against the big three automakers. You know who the big three are? Yeah, Ford Dodge and GM. Or Ford Chrysler indeed, and Deaton GM. The strike was... They was to. It resulted in a record twenty-five percent wage increase, twenty-five percent raise over the over the next four and a half years. And also, that wasn't enough. They reduced their work week to a thirty-two hour, four-day work week. And we wonder why a twenty-thousand-dollar automobile now costs us eighty-five thousand dollars. Back in nineteen seventy-five. My dad he bought a brand new Corvette Stingray, brand new. The sticker price on that car, brand mind you, it's a brand new car, brand new, back in 1975 was $6,000. I checked today, a price for a 2024 model Corvette Stingray is And we wonder why we can't seem to get ahead financially. In October, the Hamas terrorists waged the deadliest attack on the Jews since the Holocaust. They slaughtered babies, they raped women, they burned whole families alive and took hundreds of innocent civilians hostage. And since October 7th, more than 1,300 Israelis have been killed. Israel did get knocked down, but they did come up swinging. And may I remind you that Israel, the land of Israel, belongs to God. And he always wins. He may not come when you want him, but he's right on time, and he will win. He will win that fight. He'll win all fights, but he's for sure going to win that one. In November, the Texas Rangers claimed their first World Series championship, and in December, we witnessed our democracy crumble even further after the Supreme Court ruled of Colorado ruled to remove a presidential candidate from the 2024 ballot. Our democracy is failing before our very eyes. And now 2024 is here. In the back of everyone's mind is the hope that this year will finally be better than the last. Unfortunately, to our chagrin, it will not. In fact, it has the earmarks to be even worse. Most people always have one or more New new Year's resolutions that they would like to start and to be successful at keeping. A new survey from Forbes Health says that the top resolutions for 2024 include improving personal fitness, improving one's finances, and improving mental health. Traveling more, meditating regularly, performing better at work, and drinking less alcohol. We're in the same category. And the same survey shows that most people give up on their said resolutions within four months. We don't know what 2024 holds for us We don't know where the winds of this world will take us. Nobody knows what's in store for us, but I know the one who exists in and out of time and has already walked all through 2024. Nobody knows if our health will hold up, but I know the great physician. Nobody knows if our finances will hold up this year, but my heavenly father, owns the cattle in a thousand hills and all the wealth under the hills. Their old song says, Many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand, but I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand, and he holds your hand too. None of us know what tomorrow will bring, but rest assured if Jesus holds our hand, we won't run this race in vain. He'll walk with us every step of the way. He'll guide us with his eye and we'll follow till we die. And we'll understand it better by and by. Are you at Joshua chapter one? The title of my message tonight is we have never been this way before. Let's pray. Heavenly father, I ask you, Lord, to anoint my lips, Lord, as I bring forth the word Anoint the ears of the hearers, Father, and we'll be careful to give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Joshua chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou, and all this people unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you. As I said unto Moses, from the wilderness in this Lebanon, even unto the great great river, the river Euphrates. All the land of the Hittites and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto you this people shalt thou divide an inheritance the land which i swear unto their fathers to give them only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which my servant which moses my servant commanded thee turn not to it from the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest the book of this the book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth but that thou shalt meditate therein day, and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have I not commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest." Like in our text, we too have never been this way before. We are at the beginning of 2024, and we do not know what lies ahead of us. We know that we can sort of predict the weather because of the time of the year that it is. We know that since we are growing older, we can sort of predict that we will have bodily aches and pains But other than that, there is really nothing that is earthly that can look down the road of life for us. Our current president is telling us that the economy failing is just a current state of mind and that it's not really happening and that you have just as money as you did and it goes just as far. I have three words that Brother Brinkle says, dummy, dummy, dummy. Even Warren Buffett has said that the incredible period is coming to an end and that investors are nervous about the future. I wonder why. Insurance rates are over the moon and just keep, seem to be going up. And might I add that groceries are, astrom- are astronomically high as well. The average Gen Xer doesn't have enough money saved for retirement because of all the expense that is accrued today. And then there's the dreaded T word. Does anybody want to take a guess what that is? Taxes. That's ugly. I mean, the current outlook is bleak, to say the least. And like us, Joshua had never been this way before. They too were heading into uncharted waters, and their leader just died. But God had a man. God always has a man ready to take over, and that man was Joshua. He was best known as Moses' second-in-command and is considered one of the best military generals in human history. Joshua's leadership abilities is due to his rock-solid faith in God Almighty. When the Israelites were on the edge of the promised land in Numbers 13, God commanded Moses to send out 12 people to spy out the land, one from each of the tribes of Israel. When they returned, 10 reported that the land that the Lord had promised was occupied by giants that were dwelling in large fortified cities. However, Joshua and Caleb were the only two who urged the people to take the land when they returned. Here we see the one we see one thing that Joshua set, that sets Joshua apart from the rest of the Israelites. He believed the promises of God. Joshua and Caleb were not intimidated by the size of the warriors or the strength of the cities because they knew their God and remembered how he had dealt with Egypt, if God could take care of the mighty Egyptian army, he could certainly take care of the Canaanite tribes. But Moses, their leader, was dead, and God had just informed Joshua that he was to lead the children of Israel across the Jordan River to the Promised Land. Joshua had been a close and loyal assistant to Moses. During the 40 years Israel wandered in the wilderness. The Bible describes him as being filled with the holy spirit and then commissioned as one as the one to follow in leadership after Moses. God was calling him to lead the Israelites into the promised land. They were to go over this Jordan into the land. Their entrance into Canaan and the conquest that made, it, that made it possible have been recorded as examples and warnings for us to follow. Number one, the promised land and its conquest by God's people does not symbolize heaven. It represents the spiritual inheritance that followers of Christ receive by accepting his salvation. Let me say that again. The promised land represents the spiritual inheritance that followers of Christ receive, receive by accepting salvation. That means that forgiveness of sins and the opportunity to have a personal relationship with God along with all his blessings and benefits are included. Number two, you must, we must continue the spiritual, the spiritual fight of faith. If you are a follower of Christ, This battle will continue until we go to be with Jesus forever. The fight is to try to prevent Satan from destroying your soul. And number three, conquering and possessing the promised land was only possible through faith in God and obedience to his word. They didn't win the battle in their own might. They were grasshoppers in their own sight compared to the giants that were there. We receive salvation and God's blessings through faith in Christ and obedience to his word. If we are not obedient to his word, then we will fail ultimately. Joshua warned the people that they could lose the promised land if they turned away from their faith in God. And the same will happen to us today if we turn from our faith. We will lose what God has promised for us. We have to keep relying on God's promises and in his presence. God said, I'll be with you. He told Joshua that while on this journey, he would never leave him nor forsake him. And that every step that he takes, that the land would belong to him. It was God's foundational promise to Joshua. I will be with you. I will not forsake you. This is the same promise God gives to all of his followers, us, as we, as we go through the struggles of life. It's just a walk by faith. That old song that Brandon just sang, I care not today what the morrow may bring. If shadow or sunshine or rain, the Lord I know ruleth over everything. And all of my worries, all of our worries, are vain. Though the tempest may blow and the storm clouds arise, obscuring the brightness of life, I'm never alarmed at the overcast skies the master looks on at the strife. Living by faith in Jesus above, trusting, confiding in his great love, from all harm safe and sheltering arms, I'm living by faith. We're all living by We're all living by faith. Yes. Yes. Every day is a walk of faith for the believer in Christ. It is. Verse 7 of our text says to be strong and courageous, to observe the law and to and to not depart from it, and you'll make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. In order to possess the promised land, Joshua and the Israelites had to commit themselves to obeying God's word. It was, the written word was their primary authority. They, couldn't, they could not depend on human ideas or traditions or religion. And this principle applies to us today. If we are to be prosperous, we have to apply the word. If we are to be successful in our career, we have to apply the word. If we are to be successful in our family, we have to apply the word. If we are to be successful in our home, we have to apply the word. If we have to be successful in our ministry, we have to apply the word. If we are to be a successful Christ follower, we have to apply the word. If we're going to live a crucified life, we have to apply the word. If we are to shun the wrong and do the right, we have to apply the word. And ultimately, if we're going to make it to heaven, we have to apply the word. The word is our only guide through life. It is the only thing that will see us through. Amen? This was an exercise where Joshua had to completely trust God on this journey. He was to continually trust in the Lord. He was to continue to move forward and not look back. Israel was to speak the word constantly and to not deviate from it. The word was to forever be in their mouths. Their prosperity was directly their prosperity was directly tied to their to the adherence to the law of God. God commanded Joshua to be faithful to the written word by talking about it and meditating it on it and obeying it constantly. We are to apply the word in every area of our life as well. God has given us a set of general principles for successful living, and these are outlined in scripture from verse 6 through verse 9. God said, number one, to be strong and courageous, number two, to make God's word your guiding authority, number three, to study and meditate on the word. And number four, to recognize and respond to God's presence in every area of your life. This is the only way, church, that we will make it, is by applying the word. If you don't take the Lord with you wherever you go, you won't make it. We won't, none of us make it. When you get up in the morning, put him on your mind. When you you eat breakfast, put him on your mind. When you go to work, put him on your mind. When you eat lunch, put him on your mind. When you go to your daily meetings at work, keep him on your mind. When you, when you drive home, keep him on your mind. When you eat dinner, keep him on your mind. And when you and when you go to bed, put him back on your mind. There is not a point in the day where it, he doesn't say that, he's not, that he doesn't need to be on our minds. Can you somebody say amen? amen. However, God's promise to them was conditional. This means that God is... Not obligated to fulfill promises if we don't meet his conditions. You may say, I don't believe that. Well, I'll prove it to you. Romans 10:9, the condition. If we confess our confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, then the promise is we will be saved. The understanding here is that if we don't confess our sins, then we will not receive salvation. His grace is just not going to come and jump on you. You have to accept the fact that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. And when you confess and believe on Jesus as your Savior, then your name will be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Revelation 3.20 says that Christ is standing at our life's door knocking And the condition is, if we open the door, then, the promise, he will come in and have a relationship with us. If we don't open the door, he's not obligated to come in. God's not going to force himself on you. If you tell him to stop, rest assured, he will. He won't come any further. 1 John 1 and 9 Says that if we confess our sins, which is the condition, that God is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins, which is the promise. Here's one for you, Malachi three ten. The condition is to bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. And now the promise. And prove me now, herewith saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he, the devourer, shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for ye shall be a delightsome land." Saith the Lord of hosts. What a promise. Don't expect God to bless you if you're not going to give Him his tent first. And the blessing is not necessarily tied to money. He says, I will pour out pour you out a blessing that there's no room to contain. That could mean a blessing in your health. That could mean keeping your car running that's fit for the junkyard. That can mean keeping your shoes from wearing out. That can mean that an angel would tap that person on the shoulder sitting next to you at the hibachi and prompt him to pay for your meal. Whatever the blessing is that God is going to give me, I don't want it hindered because I didn't do what was asked of me. I want it all. You want it all. Say amen. Amen. God said to adhere to the law, do all that is written. And then they would be prosperous and then have good success. They were careful. They were to be careful to do according to all the law said in verse 7. They were to keep the law and they were to live by it day and night. And they were not to depart from it. Verse 8 says, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success then God reiterates his command to Joshua in verse 9 have I not commanded you be strong and of a good courage do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go this is true even to this day this command that god gave joshua to us as well this is the command that god gave to us as well as he did joshua be strong and of a good courage be not afraid be not dismayed because he said i am with you god declares in isaiah 43 that he is going with you but now thus saith the lord that created the O jacob and he that formed the O israel fear not for I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the, through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. And when thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, It is the Lord who goes before you, he will be with you, he will not leave you or forsake you, do not fear or be dismayed. Isaiah 41:10 Fear not for I am with thee be not dismayed for I am thy God I will strengthen thee I will I will help thee I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness Hebrews 13:6 so that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper he's going to help us I will not fear what can man do to me Hear this God is going to be with you He will be right there by your side he ain't going to he ain't going to leave you twisting In the wind, he's going to hold your hand all the way through. Then Joshua gives the order to cross Jordan. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people saying, pass through the camp, I'm at verse 11, pass through the camp and command the people saying, prepare provisions for yourself. For within three days you will cross over this Jordan to to go in and to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Joshua says to the people, you shall pass over this Jordan and shall possess the land. We honor the truth of God when we don't stagger at the promise of God. We honor the truth of God when we don't stagger at the promise of God. And the promise was that God would be with them. And the promises for us today. Joshua said to the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half tribe of Manasseh that the, Lord will, that the Lord God will provide you a place to rest, and, and God will give you this land. And your wives and children shall remain in the land and Moses, that Moses gave you beyond Jordan, while the men go and possess and take the land that God has given them. In verse 16 says so they answered Joshua saying all that you command us to us we will do and wherever you send us we will go just as we heeded Moses in all things so will we heed you only the Lord your God will be with you as he was with Moses they believed their leader and they believed that God was going to take care of them God will be with us when we cross over this Jordan God will be with us when we cross over this 2024. God is going to be with us wherever we go. Now it's go time. It's time to get up and to possess the land. It's time to get up and possess your promise. Flip the page and go to Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3, then Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from the acacia groves and came to the Jordan. He and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know that the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Then Joshua spoke to the priest saying, take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, this day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel that they may know that as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. You shall command the priest who bear the Ark of the Covenant saying, when you come to the edge of the water of Jordan, you shall stand in it. You shall stand in the Jordan. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, "Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God." And Joshua said, "By, th- by this you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will not that he will f- without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gergeshites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you." Into the the Jordan. Now, therefore, take yourselves twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of your feet of the priest who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, and the waters that come down from upstream, they shall stand as a heap. So it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant for the people and those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan and the, and the feet of the priest who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water for the for the Jordan overflowed all of its banks during the whole time of harvest that the waters which came down from the upstream stood still and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zaratan. So the waters that went down into the sea of Arabah, the salt sea failed, and were cut off and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Then the priest who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. and All the people crossed over Jordan until all the people were crossed completely over the Jordan. God was more than just invisibly present among his people. He was with them the whole time. The ark was the visible symbol of his presence. And if you don't think the ark doesn't have any power, just ask Uzzah about the power when he tried to steady it. It killed him dead when he touched it. God parted the waters at the Jordan just as he'd done at the Red Sea. The miracle provided clear evidence that God was with his people. And as they prepared to take possession of the promised land, God also provided proof that he was going to be with them. That demonstration of power encouraged and strengthened the people's faith so they could face the challenges of possessing the promised land. Would you stand with me? Without God's power, they could not have conquered the walled cities and all that of, that opposed them and their conquest and their quest to take the promised land. God's going to be with us. He's not going to leave us. David proclaimed in Psalms, I have been young, now I'm old. Yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread.